prosecution outlined how accounting practices fuck? What? what kind of likeness is that? They were great artists still be in a museum. And fucking fodder for cartoonists now. All right, welcome to another episode of Gutter Boys. Gutter Boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins, the outs, the highs, and the very deep, endless lows of being spooky. I'm your host, JB, with my co-host, Cam. On this frightful episode of Gutter Boys, we are joined with friends of the show and past guests, Greg Petre and Mark Kopernarov, creators of the ongoing series over at Floating World santos sisters uh, we talk about there what was meant to be the halloween special issue which it still is and was supposed to be available in readers hands by halloween unfortunately uh, that won't be the case it'll be a few days late but you should still check it out i think it'll be great either way yeah they had to do an emergency reprinting because the uh, first one did not uh, meet standards and um, therefore the book is uh, running a little late. I think it actually comes out November 1st. So just go to the comic shop on Wednesday and it should be there for you. And uh, it is a fun issue though. I'm lying because I haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of lying going on in this, uh, on this show, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Liars. We are lying. (laughs) Oh man. So, um, uh, just a heads up, if things sound a little dated, uh, JB's got a lot of traveling to do. So we've pretty much recorded the rest of the year's shows, uh, main feed wise with our guests. Um, as far as intros, uh, we'll try to keep them timely, but no guarantees as the year progresses. But we should be by mid-January uh, settling into, you know, I don't want to say new content because it's all new content, but more current sounding content um, on the main feed. Yeah, so JB's on all the interviews, so uh, this episode here, we do have the uh, Santos Misters, um, and then upcoming uh, on the feed, we have uh, Heather Losey, and we have Steve Arnold, and uh, Brian Canini, and um, we're also going to get some Patreons in the can as well, which you can support us over at gutterboys.top or patreon.com forward slash gutterboys. For $5 a month, you get two extra bonus episodes a month. I feel like uh, people have really liked our last few, because we've uh, taken a more serious... (laughs) slant to them um (laughs) however you can find a lot of bullshit on there Uh, but there is some serious stuff as well a lot of fun years of content at this point that you can just binge and uh, support us while you're at it i do miss the golden era of our patreon episodes where it was just all phoned in like every every one of them (laughs) was so phoned in (laughs) yeah we've been doing work we've been doing the work lately we decried comics journalism and then decided we're going to do it how it should be done, but we're not journalists. We're just showing people how it should be done. What, what, what could happen if y'all don't get your shit together? No, but um, yeah, I guess not really much news here. Well, r- real quick, a uh, friend of the show, past guest Sean Knickerbocker, had brought to my attention that there was uh, a new comics podcast in the game. So mm. some new competition mm. called uh, Timcast. Timcast? <laughs> I'm not even joking. That is what it's called. Tim, like T-I-M? Yeah. Isn't that a thing already? Is it? That That's like Tim Pool, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't follow, uh, you know. I don't, I don't no, follow like him. that's, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like a right wing. No, I know. 
<laughs> oh, I thought you were I thought you were being serious. Like, no. okay, I'm sorry. I, you can redo the bit. I'm sorry. No, I thought, it's done. Sorry, the, I thought you were getting it done. wrong. We, well, I'm not redoing okay. the bit. I'm sorry. I'm, not redoing I'm sorry. The bit. I look. I fell for that hook, line, and sinker. I'm so sorry. It's okay. So uh, Tim Cass uh, had done an episode or an article about Moonray. Do you know anything about this? No. <laughs> What's this? Yeah, here it is. Welcome to the home of Living the Line books, graphic novels on the edge. <laughs> uh, what? Debuted in 2021 with the long-awaited The Strange Death of Alex Raymond. Yeah, long-awaited. Yeah, okay. We're working on a whole lineup of new, dynamic, visually striking graphic novels and comics. Graphic novels and comics? Graphic novels and comics. Oh, I already see who's working on this book. <laughs> Yeah. So that just well, gives you an idea man. of, of who's different. writing this. Yeah, they're they're different. Yeah, bro. they're clearly different. Yeah, check below for announcements of new releases. Visit our YouTube page or join our mailing list for additional title announcements. For additional title announcements and other news. Uh, so Moonray Book One is by Brandon Graham. Yeah, that's what and, <laughs> I hope it didn't saw and, that. And yeah. uh, someone named I can't pronounce that first name. G Penalta, Zerzo G Penalta, I think that is. Yeah, X U R X O Zerzo. Yeah, sure. Sounds like a slur. <laughs> uh, I've never heard of this. The strange death of Alex Raymond by Dave Sim uh, and I was gonna say it's the Cerebus guy. Grubo, the Cerebus guy did that book. Oh wow, really? Dave Sim, yeah, yeah. Wait, so Dave Sim. A pretty well-known comics person is having to get published by Living the Line. <laughs> well, it's because he had some big thoughts. You remember? Oh, that's he got all right. Canceled? That's yeah. right. He came out to be like a weird fucking like uh, man, men's rights guy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So oh, so he, this lineup he... is basically just people who got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they were being genuine when they're saying um, Living the Line. Uh, <laughs> When they were saying that, uh, yeah, what a name for the fucking publisher <laughs> living the life. God damn, that's so funny. Anyway, yeah, so Tim Pool did a cover story about it, about Moonray and all those people involved and how I it's uh, being adapted into a video game. Yeah, it looks like uh, I'm seeing stuff about the video game. So, yeah, I did see the Brandon Graham content. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty fucking awesome that uh, just, you know, a publisher just just built off of some canceled uh pillars <laughs> and you're getting press from tim pool <laughs> that's you're amazing put those comics back in walmart Oof, man that's that's yeah. really grim yeah anyway i didn't know about that you know what now that i'm seeing i'm seeing sean actually message me about this and i just completely didn't see it so yeah now i'm seeing this stuff yeah sorry sean but hey i'm glad jb filled me in yeah i'm glad that uh this is uh this is a thing because you know everybody should have a chance in small press. Living the Line is giving everyone a second chance at comics and graphic novels. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Yeah, so, you know, I hope, you know, nothing but success and uh, well wishes towards y'all as you enter the uh, financial windfall of the holiday season. I'm sure that you all will be able to just line your homes with dollar bills. <laughs> Damn, I should do the Johnny Carson bit where I'm wearing a turban and I have an envelope on my head. Oh, it's like a uh, future news pop culture headline. Living the Line announces new book deal with Simon Hanselman. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, 
Let's. Uh, do you want to talk about the ultimates or no? Well, uh, we no, can, we don't need to. Talk I about mean, that we bullshit. can kind of t- address it, I guess. Uh, well, like anybody listening, not really. it's just going to be us. anybody listening that's wondering just how creatively bankrupt the big two have been lately, especially Marvel. Yes, this should give you a better idea of that. They've announced that they're trying to bring back the ultimates, which, as you know, was a very successful run of alternative stories to very well-known, well-established characters in their catalog. Yes, everything started over at issue one, and at the time, this was refreshing. The market needed it. You know, Marvel was kind of down on the Was this dumps. before this is... or after New 52? Was this, this was before. Oh, this is way before. Okay. This is like the beginning of the 2000s. Okay, this yeah, is yeah, like yeah. post-Marvel coming out of that bankruptcy slump. Right. So this was like a, you know, much-needed injection for them timeline-wise, but they're going back to it, of course, because as JB said, just creatively bankrupt. And they're giving the reins to Jonathan Hickman, which means you're going to get like an $8.99 first issue that feels very thick. And you're going to go home and be in like, fuck man, $9, but this thing feels like 120 pages. It's about to be so sick. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh, wrong, wrong. You're going to open that motherfucker up. It's in that 40 pages of comics and then just nothing but graphs and fucking like pages of just words typed. He's got, I don't know why, he like publishes what people would like. I know what you mean. He likes doing like PowerPoints. <laughs> yeah, like and comics. literally will take up entire pages. So like <laughs> yeah. I've literally gotten duped by this before, like being like, wow. damn, that's a lot of pages in a comic. But only once. He can only get me once. But a lot of Marvel fans are about to fuck around and find out because they're doing <laughs> this like kickoff book, of course, you know, like ultimate something number one and it's gonna all the books spin out of this so i hope the first issue is nothing but charts and graphs there's like no no art whatsoever (laughs) it's just text and graphs that's it i wonder what the art teams are on this let's look this up let's see if there's anybody that can actually cook here (laughs) jonathan hickman and brian hitch of course (laughs) Mm, of mm. course brian hitch um notorious for just house style but you know what a lot of people emulate him to be fair so all right let's see yeah so there's ultimate universe number one which quote introduces readers to this new line which will kick off with quote an array of brand new hard-hitting series and serve once again as a fresh starting point for a new generation of readers quote prepare to see your favorite characters redefined for today's world oh i can't wait for the fucking youtube (laughs) meltdown of like all these books being woke then Yeah, people are gonna have a meltdown. Speaking of like Marvel content, I've been fucking playing Spider-Man 2 and it fucking rocks, man. It fucking rocks. Yeah. It fucking rocks. Like you can just, you know, I can kill 30 minutes just swinging around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always been like, the case with those games. Yeah, it's just so fluid, feels so good. They've definitely like fucked with the story, but it, the game is so like woke. And I don't give a shit. You know, I think like we should have inclusion and diversity, but like motherfuckers are having a meltdown over this shit. I mean, like, Venom does have pronouns like... Yeah, well, they like <laughs> Venom. Venom is a non-binary uh, uh, legend. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't. Yeah. So let me look up Spider-Man Two. Oh, my phone just died, so I can't go through that. <laughs> um, all right, but I know because I'm halfway through the game, and like for an example, like your love interest when you're Miles, because they do the GTA approach, and you switch between the Spider-Mans, and um, whenever you're Miles, your girlfriend is like a deaf artist that's also like you know a person of color and like there's like a puzzle that where you have to find like the rival high school's mascot and like the club that steals them is the BIPOC 
art clubs. So like it's just little things like that, which is which should be included. There's like a, a storyline where Black Cat has a girlfriend now. And there's just like a lot more different races included. And it's awesome. But definitely like I was going to look up. I always look up like the IGN video reviews before I buy a video game because they don't spoil anything, but they still show you a little bit of the game and like assess like graphics, gameplay, you know, how it runs, etc. And like when I went into YouTube the day the game came out, like and you know, when you type into something like the drop down search bar has like suggested results, like the first hit was Spider-Man 2 woke. And I was going to go to that <laughs> and discuss the reasons why they think it's woke. Um, but it's just hilarious because there are people that think this game is too woke. But, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to swing, have some fun and kick some ass. It does have the fucking worst spider suits ever, ever, dude. There's like two or three cool ones and like per character. And that's it. And the rest just suck ass. Like, I don't know. Maybe they're just not for me, but um, I've seen that's a common complaint, I feel like, amongst like the haters I see on Twitter. I did notice somewhere on Twitter, I think, that a lot of these alternate costumes are not from the comics. They're like original designs. And they, yes. like, they make it a point to show that like, oh, like this costume was designed by this X, Y, and Z, whatever person. And so this is representation, you know, like that. That's been a big thing in their marketing, I've noticed. Yes. Did you see... <laughs> <laughs> so like miles is puerto rican but like i guess the game designers they had to put out like a patch like within the first few days because in his house somewhere they had the cuban flag up <laughs> Puerto Rican flag. <laughs> oh my god wow yeah. that's the same is basically the same it's fine they should bring uh, they should bring in green goblin and have him be chinese well, spoiler alert, like, you find this out, like, a third of the way into the game. Actually, are you going to play the game? I won't give you any spoilers. If no, I'm not going to, no. Well, they change up, like, have you played the first one? Mm, I've seen parts of it. Like, I know the general story okay, well, of like, the first one. Harry gets all sick and has to, like, go away for treatment, like Harry Osborn. And, yeah, he's um, he's Venom, right? Like, that's yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, they, they spin it to where he's Venom. Yeah, but making, uh, making Harry Osborn the guy making him venom i guess i mean i guess that's easier from like a storytelling perspective than having to introduce this completely new character yeah well what it is is like you know where he was sick at the end of the first one like the symbiote keeps him alive and he only feels like healthy mm -hmm. when the symbiote's on him so he like starts off as like your partner but then like you know i don't want to spoil it too much for people who haven't played it but you know the symbiote does historically in the comics make you go bad so at first he's like, yeah, I don't, oh, I don't think you're spoiling ass. anything that's like well established already in pretty much every medium. Yeah. So it's it's a cool ass game, though. Yeah. Cool ass game. I guess I guess that's comics related. There actually is like a comics mode where you can like turn on like a visual camera effect where when you hit them, like it'll have like boom, biff, pow um, that pops up. I don't use yeah. it, but it is an option. Uh, Yeah. Real quick. You know, hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this, it is now Halloween. Cam, what are your go-to candies for Halloween? All right. So you rarely get these, so it's always a treat. But if you can get a little 100 grand mini bar, you know, the little uh, 100 grands are great. I like Payday, too. Nobody ever has those. It's like fruit-flavored shit. I like Skittles, but the purple bag Skittles, not the mm, red bag. Uh, what's the, the purple? I think it's like Tropical or Berry Blast. Oh, like, it's okay. more like, uh, I don't know, the flavors more run together and when i eat skittles i just kind of take shove like, them four just or shove five them. yeah oh, so okay. you don't have as much clashing it's more of a cohesive 
Yeah, I, lo- I love candy. Butterfingers are great. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what I don't like. Yeah. I don't like, and I don't even know if they even make these anymore, but like the, I guess they were like peanut butter when we were kids, like they would be wrapped in either orange or black wax paper, just plain wax paper. And they'd be like peanut butter chews. Do you remember these? Oh, like, like the toffees. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Uh, not toffees. Sorry. Taffy, taffy substance. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan of that shit. Honestly, all of those old timey candies are pretty trash. The strawberries are all right. Yeah. They're okay. But just for like the most part, the all of like the nondescript old timey candies for me are pretty fucking either mid or terrible. Yeah, sure. For sure. Uh, Snickers I feel, are great. Yeah. The Snickers are good. Can't go wrong with Snickers. Babe Ruth's. I know some people don't like them, but I like them. I'm about to uh, order some Halloween candy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still think that the Reese's peanut butter cup is still like at the top. Oh yeah, the Reese's the pumpkin hill. actually is better. I don't know. Like, do you like the do you like the more stuffed like pumpkin and bunny Reese's, or do you like the cup because it's got I like the, the classic texture. Cup. Yeah, yeah, it's got that cup. nice rigid texture on the sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then close runner ups for me. I know people don't like Almond Joys. I love Almond Joys. Yeah, I know you do, yeah. Uh, I, I love Twix. I'll, I'll eat a couple of Twix for sure. I don't understand their new marketing campaign, the left Twix, right Twix thing. I guess it's just absurd. I don't like, know what absurd. that is. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and then any, any chocolate that has like Rice Krispies in them. Mm, like a Nestle Crunch type thing or? Yeah, yeah. But there's, you know, like there's off-brand ones made by different companies. Like those mm-hmm. are usually, yeah, I, I like those. What are the like, it's the same one as, um, I guess they're Hershey's now that I think about it. Hershey's will do a mixed bag of like bite-sized candy bars. Uh, so you'll, yeah, 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 you'll have yeah. your, your milk chocolate, your dark chocolate, the one with peanuts, Mr. Good Bar, I think they're called. And then the one with Rice Krispies in them, what I can't, I can't remember what they're called. But you can't buy those as regular candy bars. They're only yeah, sold as bite-sized. They're the yellow ones. Yeah. Or the crispy ones. Yeah. Mr. Goodboy? No, no, no. The yellow ones are the peanut ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crackle. Crackle. Yes. Crackle with a K. With a K, yeah. yeah. yeah they're like yeah. red. Yeah. Yeah, those are pretty good. Yeah. What else? I wish, yeah. I wish people would bring back Pez more, because I, I do like Pez. Pez is pretty fucking sick. Just That's mainly the dispensers. The dispensers are great, don't get me wrong, but I, I actually enjoy the candies. I, they're one of the oh, few... Oh, that chalky... Yeah, yeah. Like, the, yeah. The, the, the sort of fruitier ones that they do. Mm-hmm. I like those. Those are pretty good. My favorite are just the strawberry packs, because I feel like you get like a lemon, a grape, and a strawberry, and an orange. Like, those oh, are the classic yeah. four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I had to pick a classic flavor, I guess I'm going strawberry on the Pez. Mm, I'd probably go grape. Okay. I'm a grape guy. All right. Uh, you listeners, what are your favorite candies? Uh, send them our way. And we'll read them next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined with Greg Petre and Mark Kopernarov. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hank the Artist is a new comic by Fennell and is set on Dust, a prison planet. And it follows Hank, a felon turned bandit who escapes the raiding group he was forced to join. Exploring the struggle to make art in a world that doesn't care, Hank blasts through an unforgiving landscape driven by the only thing he wants, to watch the sunset behind the waves and to draw peacefully in a sketchbook. Printed on matte pages with a soft touch laminate cover, this print run is limited to 100 hand-numbered copies and comes with a watercolor sketch featuring a character or a moment on dust. Hank the Artist is exclusively available to order from Wigshop Webshop, and you can secure a copy over at www.wigshopwebshop.com. 
And now, a few words from our sponsors, the Santo Sisters. If you've ever been to an amazing rock and roll show and thought, I wish I could experience this moment again, but in comic form, then Sid the Cat magazine is for you. Fiercely independent show promoter Sid the Cat have joined forces with comics journalist Andrew Greenstone to bring you an ongoing publication that documents the SoCal indie rock scene. This stunning 52-page full-color magazine features comics, articles, photos, and illustrations from a rotating cast of local illustrators and writers. It's a celebration of Sid's artists and venues and supports those keeping the bleeding edge of the indie music scene alive. Our first issue covers musical artists Big Thief, Illuminati Hotties, Mike Kroll, Fucked Up, Finn Lilly, Katie Kirby, Kate LeBon, Cursive, Christian Lee Hudson, No Win, and so many more. If you are a fan of comics, indie music, zines, rock reports, or community by the way of culture, order a copy now at SidTheCat.com forward slash Sid dash zine. Again, that's SidTheCat.com forward slash Sid dash zine. Athenium Comic Art is an original art website for some of the best cartoonists in the business. They currently represent Remy Boydell, Marie Capel France, Nicole Gu, Jonathan Hill, Emma Hunsinger, Casey Nowak, Micah Song, and Tilly Walden. Athenium Comic Art gives fans the opportunity to own original piece of art from their favorite comics and support the artists that they love. In their short time in business, they've already shipped many iconic pages out to hardcore fans across the globe. Don't miss out on your chance to own a one-of-a-kind piece of history. Check out their website, AtheniumComicArt.com, and type in Gutter Gang at checkout to receive free shipping on your first order. Again, the website is AtheniumComicArt.com, and the code is GutterGang. Morning, Gary. Morning, Marianne. Need a menu? Nah, I'll just have the usual. You sure do love your eggs and coffee, Gary. Best way to start your morning, Marianne. Well, that and an issue of Town and County. What's that? 
Town and County is a new comic series written and drawn by cartoonist Alex Nall. He's that guy that wrote them books about teaching and that Mr. Rogers feller. Oh, he was such a nice man. The first issue is 36 pages of black and white comic stories with beautiful color covers and features six stories about folks in our little township here in Illinois, like Susie Barber, the house cleaner that uncovers her client's dirty laundry, if you know what I mean, and Stanley Pepper, that big feller that just lost his job and took to drinking every night at Bugs's Tavern. Well, ain't that something? Town & County is published by Ivy Terrace Press, headquartered in Chicago. Chicago? Who would want to live there? So dirty. Each issue comes with a copy of The Hometown Hero, our little town's newsletter, and it's only $8. $8? Where can I get it, Gary? You can order a copy of Town & County on the internet at storeenvy slash alexnallcomics. Oh, there's your breakfast, Gary. Thanks, Marianne. Ah, nothing like a cup of coffee and a good comic book. Rust Belt Review is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized and short form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 1 features work from Gutter alums, M.S. Harkness, Audra Stang, and Caleb Arecchio, along with work by Andrew Greenstone, Sean Knickerbocker, and Juan Jose Fernandez. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org. Promo code GUTTER. The Last Aviatrix is a post-nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29, as she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the eminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky. Her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste Land? Every issue can be read for free on BusterKegel.com slash comics. Paper copies can be ordered as well, but, you know, you can still read it for free. If you like Wizards or Warplanes, go check it out. Now, back to our program. Welcome back from the break. We are joined with two of the most spookiest men that you could possibly meet in comics today. Seth and Chester Brown. (laughs) 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 The ghost of Joe Matt. No, maybe that's too soon. I'm sorry. Yeah. R.I.P. Wow, Cam. Yeah, sorry, man. You know, I didn't know if we were going there. You just blew up the spot. Damn. Anyway, yeah, we're joined with uh, a couple of uh, lads from Santos Sisters, Greg Fake, which I know that's not really your name. Uh, we got to come up with a better Greg and Greg of Greg and Fake Fame. 
Yeah. <laughs> so Greg Petra, do you actually put your government name out? Should I bleep that out? No, I do. I do. It's fine. Okay. And then and then we've got Mark Kopernarov. Yeah. And uh, Koop fucking Koop nailed Koop it. Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten better uh, in the last couple of years, I feel like. Yeah. Fucking finally. It's yeah. not an easy one, and I appreciate the effort you guys have put into it. Yeah, we're learning. Beef jams, Mark. We're learning and we're doing better. Mm hmm. Only for, you know, men, though. <laughs> the Santos Misters. <laughs> no, but let's get into it. So uh, it is uh, as of air date, October 30th or 31st, Halloween. And uh, you all just put out the new Santos Sisters Halloween special, right? Sort of. Okay. <laughs> Explain. Because I, I haven't seen it yet. So uh, is it available for pre-order? What's going on with that? Um, well, so it isn't quite out yet through Diamond and Lunar. We had a, a bit of a printing fuck up. So our entire print run kind of got scrapped and had to get reprinted and reshipped to the distributors. So that put everything back, I think, a week or two. So it's not going to be widely available un until, I, I don't even know the date, I think first week in November or something like that. Okay. But we did put it out uh, and had like a release event at Partners and Son. I think maybe you can already get them from, from Floating World. So it's kind of out there, but not really. So um, when something like that happens, is that like something that you all had an issue with? Like as far as like not being happy with the print run or did the publisher make the call there? Um, this is actually the second time it's happened to us. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. 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 So um, I, the first time... I, I don't know if we even found out. I think maybe Floating World told us when they got their copies that they all looked super warped. And this time everybody kind of just saw them immediately and was like, oh my God, what is this? But they'd already been sent out. So who's on the hook for that in a situation like that? Do you all have to pay for a second run? Do you have to pay a little bit? Does the printer just say, hey, we fucked up. Here's a complete new, you know, reprint. How does that work? Just because I'm not really familiar with, you know, like the game like that. Um, the printer's been super kind of just taking care of everything, so they've just out of their own pocket reprinted it. That's what's up. So um, let's talk about uh, the issue. I haven't seen it yet, but the other ones are fucking great. So does this have continuity? Is it a standalone thing since it's a Halloween special? Um, so it is kind of like we've been doing just a bunch of shorter stories. So I do want to you know talk. I feel like the last time we were on, we didn't really talk about too much of how you all work with each other. I mean, Mark, you're obviously the writer. Greg, you're doing the art. And where's Fate coming in here? Is he still doing art? No, he, so he does a lot of the writing. Okay. In general, I think he'll come up with, like, a lot of plot ideas and then kind of gets kicked around and, and fleshed out. So all three of you are kind of splitting the writing duties here? Or is it just the two of you, Mark and Fake? Yeah, I think Greg kind of tries to stay out of it. But obviously he's got to draw the thing, so he has... I guess, final say on what actually goes onto the page. Sure. What is that collaborative process like between you all with writing? Like, do you just do your own stories and then Fake will do his own? Or how does that work? You all, like, I know you said that you kind of talk about it. Like, is it different for each little story? What's that process like from a writing standpoint? I guess depends on what we can get done. A lot of it, Fake just pumps out and then kicks over to us to, like, fill in jokes or rework things. So it's kind of like a... Kind of like a writer's room on a TV show or something. Now, you guys have been working together for, fuck, I want to say a decade now at this point, if not more. Is that a right? That timeline right? 
Yeah, kind of close to it. Yeah, like 2013, 14, I feel like you all were. I feel or like maybe. No, I think maybe even like back to 2011. Oh, okay, okay. So, I mean, are you all pretty much like in sync and have like a natural rhythm at this point? Or is it difficult for you all to approach each issue? Um, I think there's like a, a pretty clear formula at this point. Now, are you all doing like weekly meetings? You just have a group chat? Like, how do you all make the sausage? Like, you know, conceptualizing a new issue. Uh, there's a WhatsApp chat going. Why WhatsApp? Um, I think it's encrypted or whatever. Right, <laughs> uh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for digital anonymity so people don't steal our Santa sisters ideas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so um, how long ago did you all start working on this Halloween issue? Oh, shit. I don't know. When did you start drawing it, Craig? Or like, what was your... Oh, um, I started drawing uh, about a month out. When did we print it originally? When when did uh, I, I think I drew it? What month is it now? It's it's October. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's September. What was before that? So August. you literally were like down to the fucking wire. You drew this whole book in a month. Yeah, yeah. Is that how you do all the other Santos sisters books, or was this one just because you knew it had to be out for Halloween for it to really have any kind of impact? The last two have been within a month. Um, Jesus, man. Prior, so I mean, yeah, prior. Why, yeah. why work that close? I mean, I think it's awesome. I mean, if anything, it's like, you know, like fucking mainstream comics type workload deadline type shit. But um, right. do you just like, you know, working, uh, you know, and putting it out immediately? Like, uh, what's your kind of workflow like? Because, I mean, that's pretty insane to do a whole book, especially like a Santos Sisters issue where it's at least 24 pages in a month. Yeah, I mean, I work well with the deadline. That's part of the reason. I, I had a lot of time going up to this but the last last two issues uh well let's, let's say go back three three issues we had some time in between two and three or three and four i don't remember which but um i generally can't start working until i have a deadline looming and um schedules just kind of got caught up where i had no choice but to finish them in a month i mean we had the scripts ready long before that but I just well, got kind of backed did, up. Did traveling kind of also, like, I think you guys did a few cons and stuff, right? And you did this in between those, or what was it? Yeah, I don't I don't know, something like that. It, it just so happened that, I mean, you know, the books are scheduled because you got to solicit them so so far in advance, you know. So, like, in wintertime, I could have done three and four, but I pretty much have been, well... Yeah, like month and a half, two months for an issue beforehand. But, you know, just the way the schedule's been moving, it got to the point where I only had a month for these last two issues. You know what I mean? I don't know. Were you working, you know, like this close to your deadline before Santos Sisters? Because, I mean, you bring up an interesting point with like the solicitation. You really have no choice because, you know, these shops have to order it and you got to have those books in for those orders to fulfill them. Previous right. projects, did you keep such like a regimented schedule or were you more kind of loose with it and, you know, I guess took your time? Not saying you don't take your time, but, you know, in comparison. Yeah, no, that was definitely looser before. So like comparing the two and I guess from a writing and an art standpoint, I feel like you all are working on a more like, quote unquote, mainstream model with like the volume you're putting out with this new series. Do you all prefer that? Like, you know, like that speed and just being in the groove, like, is it easy to stay caught up in it? Or do you like the older way when you all would approach projects? I like having a schedule for sure. Like I said before, the deadlines really help, help me kick it into gear. Otherwise, I'll, you know, I might 
twiddle my thumbs, play play Nintendo or something. Hell yeah. Conversely, I liked it when we put out a thing every like three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. so that was way more chill. Not necessarily taking three or four years. It's more kind of when the inspiration hits. For sure. So I do want to talk to you about like what a day looks like. You know, you, you said you are really good with working on a deadline. So as far as like, you know, approaching the art and getting the issue done, are you working seven days a week? Uh, do you just set aside blocks of time of each day? What's that look like for you? I'm not organized like that. I'm kind of sporadic, especially in the beginning. You know, thumbnails and layouts, it they, they might take me a few days to get going, you know. <laughs> Gotta shake the rust out each time. It it seems, yeah. So there's there's a lot of goofing around and stuff. Um, the real crunch time comes. Um, yeah, I try to take my time with the thumbnails and layouts and all that, and then uh, pencils get rolling pretty quick. I don't have a schedule as as far as like uh, all the drawing, penciling, and inking. It's just kind of, yeah. I'm kind of lackadaisical about that, and then. You know, I, I kind of watch the clock, and as, as as I'm getting closer to when I need to be done, I'll, I'll force myself to do it. When it comes to the final two weeks before deadline, yeah, I'm putting in like 60, 70 hours a week at that point. But then you got all the coloring, all the lettering, ad layout, and stuff like that. Which I, I think enjoy. you work better under stress, is, is what it sounds like to me. Right. And you're doing all yeah. that yourself. You're doing the coloring and lettering and all the layouts and all that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's my favorite part. Hell yeah. Are you are you a lightbox person? Or do you just kind of just ink over the pencils? I ink over the pencils. Yep. Yep. So you do it the right way. Cool. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't use blue pencil either. And so you're just erasing after the fact? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you ever get impatient? In terms of like waiting for the ink to dry before you start erasing? Or do you have like a set time that you're like, okay, now I can do it? Oh, yeah, I've gotten, I've, I've learned, you know, not to go too quick. I think I use dries pretty quick. I don't have to wait too long. Oh, well, it's uh, but yeah, I've, I've, yeah, definitely smeared a few pages for sure. <laughs> what are the tools you're using? Like, what kind of ink are you using? Like, yeah, nibs I was gonna or brushes say. there? Yeah. The ink I use, uh, I, I use the Speedball Super Black. Okay. Old school shit. Yeah. India ink. I don't know. It's, yeah, super black. It's the one that's worked for me. I mostly use a brush, like a number two round sable brush, one of those $30 brushes. And I'd say about, that's about 80 to 90% brush. And then just whatever pens, usually microns or any kind of waterproof pen for any like straight lines and you know, if I if it doesn't really need a brush, I, I'll use a pen. Now, I do want to ask a question, though, here, because you're doing a series and, you know, cartooning is literally just drawing the same shit over and over and over again. But it's not like you just did one of these books. You all are, you know, it's a continuing series. And uh, we'll get into the future of the series here uh, shortly once we move off this topic. But do you find it like, is it easy for you to be drawing the same characters over and over? Or because like the characters have like this defined look to them, is that actually frustrating and a detriment to you? Because it's harder to nail down every time. No, I like 
I like getting to draw the same characters over and over. And, you know, I'm I'm still trying to perfect them, getting them consistent, 100%, you know, on model and all that. So, I mean, every time I have to invent a new character, it's a pain in the neck because you got to draw the turnarounds and all that kind of stuff and get to know them and how to move them around. So it's nice to have the same characters to work with. Hell yeah. Now, Mark, when you're writing this stuff, is it like frustrating for you? Is it like really easy? Like what's your, do you actually like set up in an office and you're like, it's time to write? Or do you just like dick around and do it on your phone? You know, like what's that look like for you? Oh, um, I also just wait until the very last minute when it's like, oh, Greg's got to draw this fucking thing. So Greg hates you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) But yeah, I, I got an office. I don't know that I necessarily get much time to like actually sit there and work. So it's usually stuff I do on the go and kind of just like scribble down. And then when I find time, I can uh, kind of process that stuff and, and work it into whatever we're doing. Now, Greg mentioned, you know, doing a lot of the thumbnails and working that stuff out on the page for you all. Do you do any kind of thumbnailing or anything like that when you're writing to kind of give them direction? No, no, not for Greg. Like, you know, he, he knows what he's doing and he's got like everything visually figured out in such a way and i guess the way we operate is kind of like a formula so whatever idea that we're trying to roll with we have like a set formula that we just kind of got it fitted into which at that point it's kind of just you know filling in the blanks on jokes or whatever (laughs) it's good to have a formula i know that uh fake will sometimes thumbnail his his scripts out um i never see those though it's just part of his writing, oh, writing okay. process. So, so you've never seen them like to compare like the final page to what he saw in his head or anything like that. I've seen one or two. Does it end up usually like matching up, or is it completely different? Oh no, they they come pretty close. Hell yeah! Like Mark was saying, like once you get a formula, you kind of know what to expect. Now let's talk about like this like formula, you know, because like obviously that implies that you all are locked in here. Can you describe that? or articulated in words, you know, like what the process of like putting together a new issue looks like? Well, um, if you just start with the, with the grid of the comic, you know, you got two panels across by three down, you can combine each row into one, one wide panel across the top. If you have more action, start with the splash page. That's another part. So you all start art first. No, no scripts first. Scripts first. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Hell yeah. But then it fits into the page so easily. Like the first page is always like a three panel, like first big panel with the title. and Yeah, and then each page is never more than six panels. Which I honestly love the six panel two by three layout. I think that's classic comics. I think that that's where people should start and learn how to make comics using six panels. I think it's classic and timeless for a reason. Uh, you don't have to reinvent the wheel with all these crazy page layouts. The, that shit looks cool, don't get me wrong, but you can't be, right. you know, just simple. And, you know, I do want to talk about that being, you know, obviously this stuff is, you look at the cover design and even some of the illustrations and the facials and everything, and it seems like it's very influenced by Archie. And I'm assuming that's a big, big influence to you, Greg? Yeah, yeah, it's was, it was definitely the jumping off point and, you know, the format to kind of steal from, for sure. Did you grow up reading that stuff? Is that what you were into? Or do you just feel like you wanted to make like a campy kind of book that like was in the spirit of that stuff? 
I did not grow up reading them, no, but um, I've grown to appreciate them. I, the story I always tell was that, well, n- number one, I always I felt like my cartoons before this were kind of starting to look like Archie comics, and uh, you know, and then there's you, you find out there's more than just Archie. You got like Binky, and I can't remember some of the other ones, but just like classic American teenager comics. You For know? sure, yeah. You had Reggie. You had. Uh you know, uh, Moose, uh, everybody kind of had their own spinoff book at one point in time, it seems like. Yeah, and right, and, and, and not just Archie books, like, there were there were other American teenager stories by oh, different right, houses, right. and they all kind of used the same kind of cartooning style. Yeah, it's just nice to have just a, a finite number of head shapes and eye shapes and noses, you know, I've got like four noses I can draw from, so it's kind of nice. You know, to keep things limited like that. Do you feel like that puts you in a box ever, though? Like you want to venture outside of it and you feel limited by the style? Or do you feel like so far it's, you know, been pretty easy to abide by? I don't feel limited, no. I mean, I I enjoy staying in the box, I guess. No, for sure. I think it's what makes it work. You know, like with this book particularly, yeah. not your other work, but this book particularly, I definitely think. Yeah, it's just a, a way to keep keep things consistent. You know, that's kind of why we've been able to put out six issues. Doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know. I mean, that's a lot, especially in, you know, quote unquote, small press. I mean, that's pretty regular. You know, like a lot of people, myself included, do like one book a year. Sometimes if you're lucky, that's if you're lucky sometimes, you know. So to keep that consistency, do you feel like that's something that you're going to continue with the future of Santos sisters. Yeah, for sure. I do find myself experimenting slightly, but um, I think as, as long as Santos sisters keeps coming out, it's going to look kind of the same. All right. So yeah, going back to process, are you someone that usually pencils all the pages out before you start inking or do you go page by page? Well, since you know how we have the short stories that are like between four and six pages or whatever, uh, I'll usually do one one story at a time, and I'll do like you know a f- full story of pencils and then ink that before going on to the next story. I see. Okay. All right. So yeah. So you're penciling all those pages per story and then inking them in that order. Yeah. Gotcha. And so how long do you generally, I know sometimes it's hard to like estimate, but how long do you think you take to go from, you know, rough pencils to finalized inks? Well, I I found that I can, I can get, I can work out most of my problems in the layouts. If I can get the layouts composed right and all the people placed right, all the backgrounds kind of boxed in, the pencils can go pretty quick. Maybe I can get two in a day, two pencils in a day. And, uh, yeah, yeah, one to two pencils in a day, something like that. So, let's say a five-pager. Well, I don't know, it's hard to, <laughs> it's really yeah, hard to no, say. Yeah, my, yeah. my, my work, my working style is so sporadic and all over the place. I mean, yeah, two pages in a day, and as far as inking, I can do, that depends on how many, you know, how much detail is in a page, how many like little characters are in it right two sometimes three i don't know something like that so i mean either way you're you're working pretty quick yeah i guess i guess so i'm not sure i'm not what was it jack kirby was able to do six in a in a day i think i heard was that like fully finished or just pencils you know i never found that out okay i I heard that regardless impressive 
<laughs> I think he would just slop it up. Yeah. Well, he's not. I, I think Kirby wasn't actively inking most of his work, right? Most of his stuff was pencils. Yeah, no, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I guess it was like the conveyor belt model at that point. So, yeah, that makes sense. But even thinking about that, six pages a day with his pencils, that's still pretty crazy. Insane. <laughs> to yeah. think about. Yeah. Because I've seen his pencils yeah. too, and they're pretty detailed. They're finished drawings. Yeah, yeah straight they're, up. Yeah. They're, they're completely <laughs> tight drawings. Yeah. Yeah, I keep my pencils pretty tight too. We could definitely hire an anchor uh, and still and still keep it looking like it does. Right. There is. Yeah. I having seen your work before, like your process work before, that is something that I've always noticed. That you know, you you do really really tight pencils that could easily just be scanned. You could basically do what Frank Wiley does. You just scan the pencils in and then change them to to black in Photoshop, and they'd be done. Uh. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe. I guess pretty close. I wouldn't do that. Wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you ever want to do like flashback episodes or, you know, issues. Right, right. Keep it kind of hazy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And for you, Mark, generally speaking, like how do you gauge your rate in terms of like how you're able to write a story and pump out, because uh, some of these stories are obviously vary in length, and there's many people involved in terms of like their input and you know the joke writing especially. So with that being said, I guess, and again, I understand it's hard to gauge this. How much sort of uh, writing do you think you can do in like one sitting? I mean, it really depends, I guess. Sometimes you just work through stuff in your head and then just kind of hammer it out when you sit down. Other times you kind of have like half an idea that you got to like sit there with and kind of try and work through. So it really depends on how something comes together to begin with. But yeah, these days, I guess I've been uh, pretty busy with life stuff. So I guess I'm doing good. I know it's going well if I'm not getting a lot of emails and, and group chat texts about where's, where's this story? Where's this stuff? And how long do you think it will be before you can start having your kids write for you? <laughs> We're getting there. I think they've got some good ideas already. It's just, yeah, they gotta, they gotta cook for a while. Do you feel like fatherhood has changed you as a writer or a creator in general? Yeah, I think Ideally, I, I could take it more seriously now to hopefully a point where I can uh, I can like make a living doing it and then maybe be home more with my kids. So that's like a, a goal that fatherhood has given me to like, I guess, maybe take the stuff a little more seriously. Now, do you feel like, uh, you know, because Santo Sisters is obviously for a uh, more mature audience. If your kids ask to see your comics in a few years, are you going to say, hey, you know, maybe wait a few or do you gonna, you're just going to let them read it? This is what dad does. Oh, yeah. No, I I think I'll just let them see it. Hell yeah. That's it's nothing up. that crazy. And no, I don't know, no. whatever. I'm European. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had titties on the TV like, you know, at, at like 6 p.m. or whatever. It was fine. Everyone survived. They should do that here. No, nah, people here can handle it. I could handle it. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to ask about fake a little bit, JB. But do you have anything before we get into that? Just what he's been up yeah, who to. Who are you, fake? What's your deal? Yeah, like why he's so elusive. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of cartel are you dealing with right yeah. now? 
So I do want to ask about your partner, Fake. I mean, you've kind of alluded to, you know, his involvement in the writing. Last time we had him on, I don't even think it made air. I don't know if he ended up on the episode or not because we had to re-record it so many times. But, you know, I think he was just like, you know, we were joking around before that it sounded like he was in like a fucking submerged submarine. You know, um, one thing that's just like, I feel like part of the lore of Greg and Fake is like, Fake is, some people don't even think he's real, but we know he's real. That said, like, what's he up to? What, you know, is he is because you all just tabled at this show, uh, PCX, and he wasn't around. So, like, does he just try to stay out of this stuff besides, like, writing it and creating it? Uh, no, he was there. Oh, he was, he was there. there the whole time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Was it just pictures of you two? I didn't see a picture of fake. I didn't think he was taking all the pictures. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Supposedly. So that's his job, tripod. He, yeah, uh, he tries to um, kind of just stay on the fringe. That's just his style, I guess. I mean, like, I didn't really see him the whole day tabling at PCX. Or he kind of showed up at some point, but other than that, he was just, I guess, making moves. Doing the schmooze rounds. Yeah, doing whatever he does. Now, um, you all... Was he, uh, yeah. was he trying to sell property in Mexico there? <laughs> I, I think so. I think he's kind of talking about maybe doing, like, a because um, I, I think he's uh, getting close to acquiring another property like a different kind of property that he can maybe do like cartoonist retreats at so he's been kicking that idea around oh man <laughs> that would be very sick to like die That'd be very debaucherous yeah <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get a passport just to go um you know have is have you all done any uh shows down there no well you guys fake did a and, show in mexico yeah. right yeah, Fake and I did the Mole, the Mexico City Con, like way back. Oh, okay. Um, when we were just doing our, our cardboard paintings back in the day. Uh, you, you guys probably seen those, but we haven't done anything with the comic yet, but Mole would be awesome. So I know it's been a while since you've done that, um, so I don't know if you know this would really be a good question, but what are some of the major differences that you've recognized between, you know, an international showdown in Mexico versus, you know, something here in the States. Well, one thing I remember is that the attendees were all really nice. Pretty much everybody that stops by your table is going to want to get their picture taken with you. You know, they put their arm around you and they're very excited to see, see you, even though they've never heard of you. So they think, is it because you're American? Like, they just feel like it might be, like, a celebrity encounter? Like, because you're an international guest, or? No, I, I don't think it was that. I, I think they, I think I don't Are know Mexican people treated. stupid? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was being mis mis mistaken for uh, Tom Cruise. Right. That's what's up. Um, no, just, I don't know, they're just enthusiastic about meeting artists and stuff hell yeah yeah i wish small press shows were like that yeah there's an air of jadedness to them you know and i we say that as you know we were cri criticizing cxc on the last episode but i mean you know yeah there's there's never like i don't think i've ever done a show where like i would say that the crowd and the attendees were appreciative uh you know i feel like that was more common at like more mainstream comic shows I've definitely had people ask if they could get a photo with me at like a show like Heroes, whereas that would never happen at something like Cake right? or Short Run, you know? Yeah, Heroes is special like that. They definitely appreciate the artists down there that they yeah. show. Yeah. 
So has your all's uh, tabling lives like changed in any way, whether for the worse or better, now that you're like uh, tied to Santos sisters? Well, you get a lot more people that have heard of your book or read the book. That's kind of different, you know, outside of your own city. It's kind of cool. For sure. Uh, yeah. So speaking of shows, you guys just uh, we mentioned it earlier, but you guys had a signing event to debut this Halloween special uh, over in Philadelphia at Partners and Sons. It seemed like you guys had a good time. Yeah, it was awesome. The whole uh, the whole weekend was great. On uh, Friday, uh, MS Harkness and Carolyn Cash and then a bunch of other people. They, they had an event and there was a bunch of other people that had readings, which was super cool. So that was our first actual exposure to Partners and Son. And that's an awesome store. And yeah, Tom and Gina are the coolest. So they really put together an awesome small press show the next day. There was a lot of really great people there. It was kind of like cold and rainy. And it was like semi outside. Right. It looked like he was in some sort of like gazebo or something. Yeah, like some kind of pavilion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I think like the oldest covered market in the United States or something. Oh, shit. They, they definitely sold people there at one point. Then. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild to think about. <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, I'm sure. Jeez. <laughs> Now you guys are selling comics. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> uh, progress. Yeah, yeah it really doing better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seemed like everybody was there. Was it a good show for you all? Like sales-wise and, you know, networking-wise, et cetera, et cetera? Would you do it again? Definitely. Yeah, it was, it was a good show. And uh, honestly, it was the rain wasn't that bad. You had, you had the covering, and yeah, it was a great show. Yeah, we saw a lot of familiar faces, probably a bunch of guys you already know, too. Yeah. Yeah, we made some new friends. Very cool. Maybe like a half halfway enemy. <laughs> name him. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot his name. He was really nice, but we moved away from him <laughs> because um, <laughs> there was like an open spot uh, next to Sally Madden, and, and she said like, hey, come hang out, and we were like, okay, sure. And we told this guy we were leaving, and I think we sort of hurt his feelings, but he tried to pretend like we didn't, but like we couldn't like fully convince him that it wasn't because of him. <laughs> anyway, he was a nice guy, and he had like cool prints. This was someone you were yeah, tabling cool. next to? Yeah, we were tabling next to him, and honestly, his setup was kind of large. He had like this whole rack of prints, and he was just kind of stuck behind it. So I think us moving probably helped him, like opened it up so that he could... Like actually talk to people and stuff. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up a map so we can dox this guy of the original setup of the show, <laughs> and we could uh, name your enemy. How many How many days did the show run? It was just uh, one day. One day. Okay. It was I think the perfect length. Yeah. It didn't start too early. It didn't end too late. Um, and then afterwards we hosted the uh, official after party slash Santo sisters Halloween release event. Yes. Slash costume party, which yeah, actually a ton of people turned up for a lot of people were in costume, which was, what was the sickest awesome. costume you saw? There was somebody in like vintage Archie. What was it? Like he looked like a, a like a monk or a friar. What was it, Greg? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, if, if he put the pieces together, but it was a, it was definitely a vintage Archie Halloween costume from the 60s, I want to say. He, he had the plastic mask and like, oh a, wow, you know, 
It looked like if Archie was a satanic monk or something. <laughs> yeah. It was, no, yeah, it was the, pretty dope. You're you talking about those like vinyl, those cheap vinyl costumes that used to be sold in boxes. Right. And the, uh, yeah, I think so. The the shit. It looks like kind of sinister, actually. They usually yeah, came with a, like an apron that, that would have right. the name of the character that you were. <laughs> you know, he had that on. Yeah. But, but also, like Mark said, some kind of like uh, some kind of hooded cloak. Huh. There's pictures out there. It was it was pretty gnarly, whatever it was. It was a cult I would join it, whatever it is. (laughs) Right. Seemed pretty cool. Uh was there like a costume contest or was it just kind of common show up in costume? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean the original idea was costume contest, but it wasn't like enough to warrant having a stage with an MC or anything like that and voting and all that. Right, 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 right. We had some t-shirts to give out to a few of the cooler costumes. Nice. Did anybody show up in, in Santo Sisters-related costumes? Not yet. Nope. Nope? Okay. Hmm. Because I feel like Santo Sisters is, like, perfect for that. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to probably do DIY, I would, I would think. One of these hmm. days. One of these. I'm sure someone's out there sewing their dress together right now. Yeah, and those masks. That'd be sick. Uh, how would you compare? Uh, let's just talk vibes, okay? Uh, how would you compare the scene in Philly while you were there versus uh, Chicago, which is kind of your, I would say, most relatable sort of scene because that's kind of where you guys are located in or near. Philly's cool because like Charles Burns will come out to events and like vape, <laughs> whereas that in Chicago. You never see Chris Ware out and about vaping or anything. So. I hear he shows up to the after parties, though. Yeah, Chris Ware, I, I don't know. I've actually never okay. run into him. I've, I've run into Ware a lot in Chicago. Oh, is, does he vape? Does he blow? No, unfortunately, he does. probably has a corn cob pipe. Unfortunately, he, <laughs> no, he doesn't <laughs> vape. I don't, I've never seen him smoke before. Can you imagine getting him high? He'd probably just go silent in the corner of the room. <laughs> <laughs> he would be that man. He starts freestyling. <laughs> <laughs> Many people don't know that about Chris Ware. Yeah, no, I've run into him a bunch of times, either at like uh, signing events that weren't his, you know, like uh, he was at the Daniel Klaus signing back in 20, what was that, 2013, 2014? Uh, he was there for a couple of other Quimby's events. He'll, he'll randomly pop up for some cake events. I've run into him at uh, Kane County Toy Fair. Oh, wild. He walks in and he's like, there's no wooden toys here. Well, that, this is the thing, though. There is a section of that event mm-hmm. that is all like super old timey toys. And that's why I ran into ah, Of course. Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah, but I do want to, you know, that is something that I feel like we bring up because we try to start turf wars on the show. Like, who's better? Philly, L.A., Columbus, Chicago. You were at a Philly show. You guys have done Chicago shows. I've seen you all at Chicago shows. Yeah, let's go back to the vibes, like, you know, just describing the differences between the two cities. I know you mentioned, you know, Burns will just show up vaping, but do you feel like, you know, <laughs> no, Philly's where it's at right now? Is Chicago still there? Do they still got it? Um, I mean, I think Chicago still got it, but it definitely feels like Philly's got something going on. A lot of Chicago people are moving there. And I think, you know, part of our scene now is, is kind of over there. But yeah, it definitely... Definitely feels like they've got something going on. It's like a really cool scene out there. It's a great community. I think a lot of it is centered around partners and son. They think do a really 
good job of building that and fostering that. So it's so funny. Um, it's like the default like answer that everybody gives us around about Philly. It's like it's all centered around partners and sons, which is awesome. It's a testament to what they're doing. I look forward to checking that place out one day. Yeah, it's really great. But I think a lot. I, I think communities are built around places like that. And in Chicago, we've got Quimby's. You know, LA's got the secret headquarters, and or I'm sorry, the top secret headquarters. Uh, so I yeah, scenes are kind of just built around things like that. And I know obviously Columbus has its thing going too. I guess the Billy Ireland, they've got their little museum. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, like a whole different thing, and that that's super cool too. For sure. All right, so one thing I do want to talk to you all about is, uh, you know, you all do actually attempt to do different things than like your typical small press, you know, cartoonist. And I think that's because you all are available through Diamond. You know, I've seen you all sell like retailer boxes that kind of look like trading card boxes that you would see, you know, on the counter somewhere, you know, and you all have your comics in them. You all do like the cardboard cutouts, all this like, you know, ephemera and promotional material and so forth. What's the who's the driving force behind that? Is that kind of all three of you all? Because you need that kind of stuff to stand out in like a mainstream shop that orders from Diamond and Lunar. So I think uh, a large part of that originates with fake. but. I mean, especially like the boxes, I think that's a part of something that we're kind of in the process of figuring out that hopefully is like a step towards kind of gaining wider distribution. And we've got some stuff that we're working on that'll hopefully get us into places that comics aren't normally sold, which I think is something that might be vital towards, you know, I don't know, comics being culturally more of a thing like it used to be i feel like a lot of people's entry points into comics wasn't necessarily through going into a comic shop and i think it would be super cool if comics were available in in other places that you know you used to get them at osco or 7-eleven you know yeah right so as far as distribution you know and for our listeners out there what are you doing to try and get into these spaces that aren't necessarily comic related like have you had any luck and you know what are you doing to break through that barrier it's kind of the next phase. It's the next phase. Oh, okay, wouldn't, you, okay. wouldn't you say, Mark? That's that's like our big yeah, project. Yeah, sort of. And that consists of like contacting buyers and stuff for bigger companies. And yeah, hopefully convincing them that there's a good reason that a comic book should be sold at a, at a vape shop. Oh, there's a ton of good reasons. Sure. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, you know, in the 60s when Crumb and all those under, that's where you had to buy that shit was smoke shops. Right. So if anything, it's just, you know, hearkening back to those days. I don't know if the vape stores are, you know, as heady, quote unquote, because I don't spend too much time in them. But I feel like, you know, you could definitely get some sales in there because there's going to be some stoners that walk in there to vape and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Places like that, record stores. But, you know, even like, I don't know, Spencer's Gifts fucking walmart who knows so i know you said this is the next phase but do you have a way to you know are you fielding are you planning on you know taking meetings with these companies like how are you going to get your foot in that door yeah make some phone calls and um yeah we've been researching and trying to build up some contacts and stuff and uh yeah uh, we haven't really hit the ground on that yet i think we were just kind of fully fleshing the plan out but uh, yeah, the next phase is actually uh, setting up those meetings, I guess. So it'll be really cool when one day at Walmart, you'll be able to get your Comicsgate comics and Santos Sisters. I That's think right. that Comicsgate stuff dried up uh, there. I, I don't know how well that worked out. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, yeah, I don't know if that's the algorithm not showing it to me or if it just fucking fizzled out. I would say probably the latter. Well, I, I think, but their whole thing, their setup was like a... Uh, 
like a whole freestanding cardboard thing. Yeah. That they would just like reload. And I think that takes like dedicated space, whereas like some box that you just unseal and and I, I think that's like a, a lot less of a commitment and shit for a, a store. And I think it makes it more accessible without like, you know, taking up like a corner of space for comics that might not sell or whatever comic tape was doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when are we gonna get a Santo Sisters bong? <laughs> when the market demands it. I mean, I think it already is demanding it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'll, I'll see what we could do. Right. At least Santos sisters rolling papers. Yeah, yeah. I sure. think that there's probably a good profit margin on that. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know how glass works, but I'm sure paper's cheap. That's, that's I always felt sus smoking with like the fruit print rolling papers. I haven't seen those in a while, but I remember in high school you would buy like flavored rolling papers, and they would just have like color prints of like the flavor on them. Like be like little lemons on them or blueberries. And I was always like, I probably shouldn't be smoking these inks, but I did it anyways. <laughs> they didn't taste like anything also. No, they would taste like funny. Like you could tell they were flavored with something, but it was never what it was supposed to be. Yeah. That sounds rough. <laughs> yeah, not really good. No, no. I want to try it, though. I'm sure they're around somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I feel like if you were to, to find like a glass maker or something and started doing like uh, bongs or whatever, you could make it so that... The the bong is packaged with a comic, so then Ooh, yeah. so then head shops <laughs> would for sure start selling it if you were to pitch it to them. Nice, a glass bust of each sister that's been configured to be a pipe. This sounds like more of a business model for like Box Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Box Brown actually got his Instagram suspended because they thought he was selling weed? <laughs> Yo, I bought. He was. I bought a joint off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, 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 like, uh, I guess, like, because he puts so much, like, marijuana verbiage, uh, I saw that he was posting, like, the other day that his, uh, like, Instagram account was, like, flagged, and he's locked out of it, oh. he was, like, moving illegal shit through it, like, well, he was just like Instagram. At, at PCX, he was offering a joint for, um, if you backed his Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Hey, you know what? That's, that's not a bad deal, actually, you know, if you're in need. I backed his Kickstarter because I could not find any bud in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> well, how much? How much he, is it to back? It was like, well, I think there was like a fifteen dollars digital option, but I can't read things digitally, so Fif I did like the twenty five dollars digital. So you got hosed. You paid twenty five dollars for a joint. <laughs> but also, I. <laughs> but also, I get a free comic, which is. The business model that it's JB not a was free describing. Joint. It's a free comic yeah, yeah. with the it was joint. a fifteen dollar <laughs> joint with a free comic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a it's a comic about legalizing weed, but like I live in a place where it's legal, so right, I don't right, know I mean. yeah. Now, um, do you feel like, as far as like, you know, the culture, comics culture, like obviously you're trying to take your stuff into a mainstream realm there. Do you feel like comics as a culture could make that jump as a whole, or do you think it's still pretty far off? Because I feel like personally, from my viewpoint, it's far off, but that's probably because motherfuckers aren't trying to take meetings like you all. You know, I'm not trying to do that shit. But where you all think it's at right now, do you think it is going to be something that kind of goes back to where it was, where there is, you know, comics everywhere? Or do you feel like it's still going to be like this foreign entity? Maybe somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Because I feel like it's just the way things visually are presented in a lot of other mediums, including just like how people view social media is so similar to comics anyway. 
that I think the language of it is very accessible for people very easily, but somehow there is a barrier of entry. I think a lot of it might be just because it's a lot of it's pigeonholed with cape stuff and that's just kind of what people assume it is or you know there's still some I, I probably just overarching idea that people have that it's like a juvenile thing that it's but I do think if it was available in more places and people had more access to just like a wider variety of stuff um cuz I don't in other places or in other countries it's more widely available like it was a couple of years ago but i was in italy and you could get comics everywhere at like they well they still had newsstands and stuff but like corner stores or whatever there'd be little digest sized fumetti collections that you know you could just buy so it yeah and that stuff was just you know socially acceptable as like a disposable thing to read to entertain yourself for a little while so i don't see why it couldn't be here it's just that there's so much shit competing for people's attention these days. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we should probably close out this episode with some spooky stuff so that it it's a little more in line thematically with the uh, the holidays. I mean, we blew the the Halloween release date, so <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like that's going to be a detriment to the sales of this book? Um, so it it makes it returnable uh for retailers. And oh, okay. I guess we just eat that <laughs> because it's like what holiday themed or what? Like, yeah, it's holiday themed, and uh, Halloween, as everyone knows, is uh, not in the first week of November. So, apparently, well, to make that returnable, is that a call that you and Floating World made, or is that like any holiday comic is returnable by because it's a like a holiday item? No, so I think that's just uh, you know Diamond going like fuck you. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I could see why retail, I I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know what retailer would go like, oh, well, I can't sell this now. (laughs) Right. Yeah, like just put it in the quarter bin, you know, like (laughs) you really can't sell it. Not saying it deserves to be there, but I feel like that's usually the business model if you can't sell something. Well, sure. But also, I mean, it's like a Halloween special, but what you, you can literally read it any other time of year. Yeah, right, right. My favorite kind of comics are Halloween comics, honestly. Like, it's my favorite time to buy comics as a consumer because I like all the fucking specials and everything like that. Nice. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty fun and it'll still be fun mid-November, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, as far as doing a holiday comic, do you think you'll do other holidays or is it just Halloween? You think you'll do a Christmas special one day? Yeah, sure. Yeah, quite possibly. We got a lot planned for next year i think it's like a total of seven issues jesus in a year yeah yeah i think right hell yeah and one of those might be a spinoff and then aside from that i think we're doing uh one or two issues of like uh another project it's not necessarily just comics but we'll kind of talk more about that as uh as details emerge but yeah, so we we got a pretty busy schedule for next year. Uh, what, was, what the fuck was the question? <laughs> holiday specials. Holiday I don't even special. remember. Yeah, holiday specials. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> oh, so yeah, yeah. Nothing planned, but sure, why not? I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I love all those Dennis the Menace, uh, just like themed holiday books. And yeah, and- I want to do. I want to. You know, Dennis the Menace would visit. Like, uh, he would go to Mexico, and it was paid for by the Mexican Board of Tourism and all that stuff. I want to try to do something like that. Maybe, oh shit! Okay. Maybe like yeah, but we should get we should get paid by some 
tourism boards. Yeah, like Indianapolis. Dennis the Menace and a Sombrero. The Santos sisters go to Indianapolis. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that'd be cool. Something like that. Indianapolis specifically, you think would be cool? What's wrong with Indianapolis? Everything, actually. Yeah, Yeah, actually, don't get me started. Yeah. Well, you all are entering, you know, five issues. You're entering collection territory in the traditional comic market. Do you have plans to do like a, a collected volume? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, probably. I don't think we can talk about it yet. Oh, okay, gotcha. Probably all not right. till. Late. So maybe, maybe yeah, not. We are. We, we are. We are going to do it. We don't know that it's going to be this year. It's but a, yeah, don't don't yeah, show your we, hand. We, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, but don't. We, we've got some plans. Ho- hopefully. Uh, Hopefully we'll have and news on by that. The way, by yeah. the way, in January we're reprinting uh, issue one. Oh, congratulations! Is that the first reprint, right? Oh, it's actually the second. Oh, okay, so, hell yeah! So yeah, this is the third printing. Third printing. Total. Yeah, you all are gonna do a special variant. That way you can uh, cash in on it. How did you know? Because <laughs> I've seen that fucking market way too many times. <laughs> it's actually what I was working on before I jumped on this call here. That's what's up. Hell yeah. Well, and the Halloween special has actually two different covers. They're they're slightly different, so it's like one of those uh, spot the difference things from like when you were a kid. Um, and the only like the main difference is that one costs more than the other. <laughs> mm. And the reason is just because that's the difference. Well, it's Halloween, right? So we nor- we normally our regular books like five bucks, but this special Halloween variant is six dollars and sixty six cents, and that kind of goes towards making up for that four dollar and twenty cent issue we thought would be funny for like issue three or whatever <laughs> right turns out that adds 80 up cents, <laughs> yeah. yeah 80 cents a pop yeah so did that end up uh like did you find any frustration with retailers being like oh this is such a weird fucking price like any pushback from that we don't hear from retailers got back to us no i'm pretty right. sure they have message boards that they like complain about stuff on but right, right. right. that's what we have to infiltrate yeah, the, the the comic owner Reddit, the comic shop owner Reddit, whatever the fuck that would be. It probably is. Oh, one. it sounds like hell on earth. All right, uh, JB, let's uh, make this bitch spooky. Uh, we're in three global wars and we still don't have health care. Yes. <laughs> Pretty fucking spooky. Yeah. Pretty fucking spooky. It right? is. <laughs> I know, Mark. You, you like you said earlier, you're a fan of like Halloween. What about you, Greg? Are you pretty much indifferent about Halloween, or where are you at on it? I enjoy it, you know, as a spectator. I don't really participate too much these days. So I definitely had a lot of fun as a as a young person, as a as a wee one. He says that, but you should have seen his costume. No, I was going to say, was, you were wearing dope. a costume, <laughs> and you had this, like, this huge smile on your face. <laughs> uh, yeah. You were he, like, actually it. got in character. What was your character's name? Uh, <laughs> oh, it was uh, Dr. Deranged. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like great. an excuse to, to get goofy, but I, I don't get a lot of excuses these days. Mm. But yeah, no. I... Do you all have any uh, Halloween plans for the actual holiday? I don't. Uh, it's in the middle of a week, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I think I'll be at my shitty day job. Hell yeah. And Mark will be handing out candies at his at his doorstep. Hey oh. Right. Yeah. Are you not taking? Are you not taking the kids trick or treating? Are they not old enough yet? Not quite. I okay. Think next year might be like the the first year. But see, this up. is this is the perfect way to get candy though, without having to dress up and then people judging you for 
trick-or-treating as an adult is you just dress up your kid and you go door to door and then you keep all the candy. The candy, the baby's not getting the candy. You're, you're keeping all that candy, but they don't know that. Right. Or I could just go to the store and buy one of those big bags of like Halloween candy. <laughs> yeah, but like then you, the, then you the gotta candies. pay money. <laughs> you gotta pay money for candy on Halloween. No, I guess. Right. I, what I would say is find like the nicest affluent neighborhood in the suburbs and just hit them up yeah. with your baby in a, in a, in a, in a costume that you put together in like 10 minutes. We did that. One. That's how, that's how you know. That's how, yeah, you, do that's it. how you know. Exactly. You get the uh, king size candy bars, no right. fucking around none of this tiny bullshit. I work in one of the most affluent towns in Illinois, I guess. And, uh, it just, the more I find out about people there is, it makes me think that if I went trick or treating there, they would just open the door and spit on me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you have the baby. Cause it's a shield from the spit. <laughs> And then they realize they just spit on a baby and they're done. They're, they're toast. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, I was, th- hmm. I was thinking about it's it. I don't know if you all remember. I don't even know if they still make them. But a few years ago, do you remember they would sell it like comic shops? They were like the little small, like mini comics that you can give away to trick or treaters. It would be like a Archie book and there would be like fucking, I don't know, just stranger things. Just stuff kids could relate to. Do you all remember seeing those? No, yeah, it sounds well, awesome, like though. I saw at Target, I was in there the other day, and I guess they have like uh, trick-or-treat Pokemon card packs, you know, that you could give out instead of candy. And I really like that idea of like giving out comics uh, for Halloween, but I don't know if they still do that or not. But I do remember seeing that like comic packs at my local shop a few years ago, pre-COVID. Yeah. Mm, Untapped cool. market, though, if nobody's doing that. I don't know if small press really should infiltrate that world, but um, definitely like the <laughs> larger comics market. Yeah, there's a lot. There's not a lot of kid-friendly stuff in the small press scene. Right. Yeah, for sure. Bunch of degenerates. <laughs> yeah, who give out joints when you buy their comics? <laughs> when, you buy, <laughs> when you pay fifteen dollars for a digital comic. <laughs> You, know, you you guys are judging, but it was a fucking lifesaver. Oh, no, no, I, hey, I I'm not it's judging. Awesome. It's a good grift. Yeah, yeah. It really helped me with my headache, man. <laughs> yeah. I would have walked up and been like, can I get another one, though? You just busted my head pretty bad, box. <laughs> <laughs> you keep the comic and give me another joint, pal. <laughs> I would have taken that deal, actually. <laughs> was it a skimpy one or like a decent size one? Um, No, it was a fatty. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, Ryan Alves wandered up. and That's who you need to find. You wouldn't, yeah, even had to, I, you wouldn't even have to pay $25 to box brown. No, I don't think he even had, I didn't, maybe he had something. I don't know. <laughs> but as soon as I lit that thing, he like, uh, showed up and we chilled. <laughs> like a genie. He just popped up. Yeah. <laughs> he smelled it in the air from across the show and like, just like, uh, you know, like Looney Tunes, he was floating, just following the smoke. <laughs> I, I feel like that would happen all the time at, um, at C2E2. I don't know if I'm supposed to say people's names like this, but you can just, whatever. just say a, allegedly Chiba Hawks. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was, he was cool as hell. And I'd always just like wave him over. But this one guy, he, I guess he draws big two books or whatever. Yeah. For, for some reason, whenever I just like lit one up, he would <laughs> appear just behind a bush, just walk up. <laughs> well, no, because you know how the C two E two, it's all like those big concrete structures or whatever. The... <laughs> it's behind a pillar, then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he he would just pop up and then uh, 
Oh, funny seeing you out here. Hey, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know if I could. Uh, No, I like sharing. Yeah, no, same here. As long as you're not gross. (laughs) I don't want to think about, like, you know, if I'm going to get sick if you're hitting my joint. Um, I mean, yeah, I will take a close look at your mouth or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) As long as that checks out. I definitely discriminate. I am weed racist. <laughs> Would be great though if just some guy walks up and he's just covered in sores on his mouth. <laughs> like, hey, what's that? What are you guys doing? <laughs> That'd be a good bit. <laughs> is it mean to say no at that point? No, it's the right thing to do, right? It is, but it isn't. Usually, if I'm at a show, I've probably got like a few joints. So if somebody's like being like a, a straggler and sticking around, if it's too bad, I'll just give you one. Hey, you need this more than I do, partner. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I mean, like, I, I'm talking about the cold sores. Oh, <laughs> if somebody's just covered in cold sores, comes up and like tries to jo- join the rotation. Yeah, you just let them have it. <laughs> just walk uh, away. You got to be mean at that point, right? Yeah. At that point, I'm I'm letting them have it, but I'm I'm gonna fake a phone call and walk out of the circle, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go smoke my own joint if I'm if I'm not high yet. Yeah. In That's this in this situation, like yeah. <laughs> so now, now, right. now your listeners know what to do. Yes. <laughs> in case you ever have a stranger with herpes come up and ask for a hit of your joint. <laughs> That's scary as hell. There yeah, you go, Halloween. Like, <laughs> Halloween, Caliban. It's pretty much one of the scariest scenarios I could think of, yeah. yeah. Imagine getting herpes from sharing a joint. That would be the worst shit in the world, man. It's like, ugh. Yeah, you'd have to reevaluate a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> don't they make, right. don't, don't they make like, single uh, joint holder hitter things? Where it's like it's like a mouthpiece that you put the joint into. Yeah, they do. Well, I think they're more like cigarette things. I bought some for the cabin retreat, but nobody used them. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, is this some like Corella Deville? Corella shit? Deville little filter tip thing. Yeah, I was like here because it was COVID. I was like, hey, if you're gonna smoke with me, you gotta have these. And I bought like ten of them, and no, but we just all smoked with Damn. each other. Yeah, I've, I've actually got the the file for that. If you guys want the schematics for your 3D printer. To print your own. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Why do you have that? <laughs> do you even have a 3D printer, Greg? <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's just collecting schematics for no reason. <laughs> well, one day I will have one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be prepared for when the day Make comes. All this cool stuff. <laughs> so let me know. All right. I'll, I'll keep that in mind <laughs> if I ever get a 3D printer. Well, uh, before we get out of here, y'all, um, you know, where can people buy the Santos sisters and uh, where can people find you all on social media? This is your all's time to shine and plug things here. So Santos sisters is available in finer comic shops, hopefully eventually anywhere that anything sold. But for the time being, until it hits comic shops, it's always available uh, at floatingworld.com. Uh, you can hit me up at cram backward on Instagram, uh, Greg and Fake, or at Greg and Fake, and at Santos Sisters Comic on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And uh, make sure to go get the Halloween issue on November, what, what's the actual no, street date November of that? November 1st, it looks like. You could check Floating World soon. The printers just resent them out. Jason's probably got copies there by now. Wait, so it's fucking returnable when it's late by a day? Don't start. Diamond, what's up there? 
You all should just put a pilgrim on the cover, so and that'll be the difference. Shit, we should yeah. change it up real quick. <laughs> yeah, we should have. We should have. Yeah, yeah, because because technically we have two printings on our hands, but there's not much to differentiate them. Oh well. Well, one's warped, so if you got if yours looks like it's been sitting underwater for uh, <clears throat> a couple yeah, days, ooh, very yeah, nice. funny. <laughs> yeah, first yeah. edition warping. If it fails the CGC, yeah, CGC. Yeah, that's so that's those will be available on our website. Yeah, the lower the score, the more valuable it is. Because that's actually the first print. Yeah, that's right. Now available. <laughs> Hell yeah. SantoSisters.com, ten dollars each. Nice. Hell yeah. All right, well, goblins and ghouls, that'll be it for this uh, particularly spooky episode, Gutter Boys. And until next time, uh, what's like a good Halloween-themed slogan here? Stay killer. Mm. Stay spooky. Just play some chain, <laughs> rattling chains and bubbling cauldrons <laughs> yeah. in the background. You'll be fine. Oh, true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good goal. All right. I'm going to... There you go. I think, I think the main thing is to remind everybody that there's nothing spookier than the day-to-day -day life of a cartoonist. Not knowing how you're going to pay your bills. Ooh, <laughs> 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 the landlord! <laughs>
your life and I'm in a win. I'm smoking out, I'm living lives off all your dividends. The devil told me I can get away with all your shit. My angel said, don't make him turn you into a lunatic. Since you put sixes in my blood, you know the devil's right. Paul scooped me up in a shave and we dodging our blue lights. So, so straight, we smoking out our whole motherfucking crew. We show no love for lemon sucker trick, I thought you knew. 